Hi there and welcome to Inside Rugby League, the podcast brought to you by the Yorkshire Evening Post. I'm Richard Byram. Joining me again on the line this week is my colleague Peter Smith. Peter, as you know, is the Yorkshire Evening Post Chief Rugby League Writer and he also contributes match reports and articles to our sister paper, the Yorkshire Post. And just to start off this week, Peter, I think a good point would be to go back and look at the Challenge Cup matches from last weekend, where unfortunately we predicted all the correct results for our local sides. Yeah, <laughs> we weren't full of optimism, were we, particularly before the, uh, before the round, and, um, and so no. it proved. <laughs> Unfortunately. Um, I thought, from Leeds' point of view, against St Helens, considering the side they had out, 12 players missing, uh, no half-backs, three forwards playing in the backs, I thought it was a tremendous effort by Leeds. And had they had a half-back on the field, maybe they'd have, they'd have won it. They certainly had Saints rattled. They got the game plan exactly right, didn't do anything flash, um, attacked them down the middle. And it very nearly worked. I thought the spirit they showed to come back from uh, twenty, um, sorry, fourteen points down early in the second half after they'd had Zane Tetsavano sent off was tremendous, and it will or should give them real confidence for the future. The concern this week is whether they can back that sort of effort up on a short turnaround for another really tough game against Wigan at Headingley on Thursday. I think if they can show a similar level of effort, can defend just as as tough as they did at Saints and just add a little bit of finesse to it, then um, they have a chance of winning that game. Carl Eastmond, we're told, is going to make his debut, so that'll add a little something extra to, to Leeds's side. They might have a couple of players back, Bodine Thompson and Liam Tutcliffe, who missed last week, have been named in the 21-man squad. Um Obviously, there's going to be no King Vuni Yayawa. And as we're recording this, we're waiting to hear what will happen with Zane Tetavano, but you'd expect him to get some sort of ban. Um, he's been charged with a grade D, which is three to five matches, I think, is excessive. I don't think the offence was that bad. Some games you see it punished with a, with a yellow card or occasionally players get away with that sort of thing. I think to ban him for, for up to five games would be would be ridiculous, but we'll have to wait and see what happens with that. Um, it's going to be all hands on deck again for Leeds. But as I say, they can go in, into it with some confidence after the performance last week, and they just need to replicate that sort of effort. I say just, it's obviously it's tougher. It's easier said than um, said than done, but if they can do that, I think they they can rattle Wigan and, and could even sneak it. But um, certainly, in terms of the side's relative strength, Wigan have got a few missing, but but I think they'll go into it as favourites. Yeah, I think uh, as you say, it was a really good effort by Leeds. Uh, Brad Dwyer scored a couple of great tries, didn't he? And uh, as you say, with Tetavano. Um, I don't think there was any doubt really it was a sending off, but I don't think it was a, a serious one. You see players get away with that challenge from time to time where they just uh, deck the kicker or, or the half after the ball's gone. And on that occasion, obviously, he's been caught and he was late, but I certainly don't think it's a five-game offence when you consider some of the things that go on. Um, but I think he's certainly been missing for a couple at least. Um, and it, as you said, you know, 
all things considered and in the circumstances, Leeds had a really good go. And uh, I think he was reading a piece by yesterday where a couple of the young guys we mentioned last week, uh, Morgan Gannon in particular, he came on in the game, didn't he, in the end? And you're saying he gave a really good account of himself and uh, another good young player for the future there. Yeah, he got he got fifteen minutes at the end, which I thought was was a good um, a brave but a, a good decision by Richard Agar. In situations like that, it would have been easy when the game was still in the balance. It would have been easy to leave him up off the field, but Richard Agar rates him very highly. He he put him on, and he certainly didn't look out of place. The seventeen year old, he's included in the squad again this week, and Levi Edwards, another seventeen year old. Has been um, has been drafted into the twenty one, so he could potentially make his debut. Debut, and you know Leeds need Leeds need players back. There's no doubt about that. But young kids are gaining experience, and they will benefit from it in the long run. Um, Jack Broadbent's played all three games so far this year, and he's been terrific. He's really emerging as a, a Super League player of the future. Um, Sam Walters got his first go of the season starting in the second row last week did very well and I was impressed by Jared O'Connor off the bench not the biggest of of players but absolutely fearless Um, and he could have another big future so I think that's a positive for Leeds from the injury problems they've got at the moment and Richard Agar will have some decisions to make when players start returning what he does with Jack Broadbent is going to be really interesting to see because the form he's in, the 20-year-old, he's, he's only played, I think it's seven first-team games, um, but he's been excellent. And on form, he deserved to be in the team. So when Richard Myler is available to come in at full-back, it'll be interesting to see what happens with, uh, with Jack Broadbent. I think Jack's specifically, primarily a centre but obviously Conrad Horrell and Harry Newman will be back in action within a month or so it seems at the moment so again there'll be a decision to make there but um, these kids haven't let themselves down and um, they've all got time on the side and I think they're all going to make make decent Super League players which is a big positive for Leeds yeah, definitely. I think, as we've said many times on this programme, all supporters like to see uh, young players coming through from their academies, don't they, making it into the first team. And as you've pointed out, some of these players probably wouldn't have got the chance but for Leeds' current injury situation. But they're certainly not letting themselves or the club down and, uh, uh, you know, gaining valuable experience for the future. And while at the same time doing a good job now, I think it was Cruz Leeming was saying last week um, about Morgan Gannon and how, how mature he was for his age and how tough he was, a, bit, a real old school player um, and who, you know, likes to get stuck in and, uh, you know, real big presence in training. And as you say, Brad Bent's another um, who's come through out of nowhere, really, I suppose. And I know such as yourselves would keep an eye on players like that, but for people like me, they... You know, there's just another, and not just another one, but another person off the Leeds Academy production line, which has obviously produced some fantastic players for club and country in recent yeah. years. And yeah. and it's good to see, you know, it's 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 a positive out of a negative, and uh, 
you know, give Richard Agar some real problems a bit further down the line, of hopefully, uh, as the more experienced players come back. Yeah, I think it certainly will. Speaking of disciplinary, um, your boys have got a disciplinary issue. Kalepi Tanginoa, one-match ban, which is not what they want when they're going to um, St Helens on Friday. I think that he's ever present since he joined Wakefield, by far Player of the Year yeah. last season. And they'll certainly miss him for what's going to be another really tough challenge um i was obviously out there game last week which followed the leeds game and i thought i thought wakefield showed some positive signs particularly in the first half just couldn't quite maintain it if if a few things had gone their way i think they weren't that far off catalans but tough another tough um tough game for them and i think wakey just needs to get a win on the board sooner rather than later Really, they don't want uh, this start to the season to develop into a, a six, seven, eight game losing run. But they're they're in a tough run of fixtures at the moment. Um, you can't really see them getting anything from from St Helens the way things are. Having said that, if if St Helens show the same attitude they did last week when they're alive, I thought they were complacent against Leeds when they saw the Leeds team sheet. They must have thought we were going to have a an easy yeah. afternoon there and then they score in the first three minutes and um, I don't think they were as switched on as they normally are if Wakefield can take a leaf out of Leeds's, Leeds's book and, and really rattle them you never know but you'd certainly expect that to be a to be a home win for um, for Saints and, and possibly with them putting a few points on Wakefield Yeah I don't think we can argue too much with that Peter much as it pains me to say uh, we said last week that Wakeford probably would struggle to get past Catalans in the cup and again it's another season without any realistic chance of silverware now that they're out um, said till I'm blue in the face it would be nice for Wakefield to get back to Wembley and you know give the city something to shout about but it's not to be again uh, disappointing, obviously, uh, from a supporter's point of view, uh, but perhaps understandable at the moment. Uh, they've only a small squad and uh, it looks like being another tough season down at Bellevue. And We spoke quite a lot last year about um, clubs, or all the clubs in general, just getting through to the end of the year in terms of surviving off the field with everything that COVID was doing to the finances and the squad and the game in general. And you feel already this season that for some clubs, including Wakefield and probably Lee and maybe Salford and Hull KR as well, that it's really just a case of of digging in and, and trying to survive the season on the field now, you know, and pick up points where they can and, and just try and cling on in, in Super League. And I know that sounds a bit negative, but I think you can already see a little group there at the bottom of maybe four or five teams who are, who are probably going to be down there for a lot of the campaign uh, and really they need to pick up those extra points away from the games when they play each other as well. And uh, you know, I can't see Wakefield getting much from the Saints game. Uh, I know in the past, they've, each season, they always seem to pull out one or two results against the so-called bigger clubs, don't they? they? They sometimes nick a win against Leeds or 
or Wigan and Saints, just when you're not expecting it. But, but just for now, I'm with Tanganoa, who signed a big new contract in the winter out as well. You fear the worst, really, and uh, I think it might get harder for Wakefield before it gets better. And uh, I don't like to say that, but I think that that's the truth. And, uh, you know, hopefully brighter days are around the corner, whether they can maybe get a couple of loan signings in. I see Lee have made a couple of loan signings, including Anthony Gelling today. And maybe that could be a route Wakefield could go down in a few weeks' time. Maybe if, if a few fans can start getting back to games and they can start getting a bit of money back into the coffers. Um, maybe that's what Wakey are waiting for, just to maybe see as the settle, season settles down, if they can borrow a few more experienced players who aren't getting a game uh, somewhere else, uh, or maybe who aren't out of contract at the moment, and just give the, the squad a bit of a lift. Um, and as they say, hopefully get the Wigan game out of the way and, and see where we go from there. Um. The other game this weekend, you mentioned Lee there. On Friday night, they're visiting Castleford. You'd expect Castle win that one, wouldn't you? Which, um, taking the pessimistic view of yeah. Wakefield's prospects, I suppose, would, would do um, would do Wakey a favour. It'd be an interesting one for Cass because they played a game and a half last weekend it in did, yeah. a crazy <laughs> time. At Hull KR, I, I was at York actually, York and Wigan, so I didn't, I didn't see it, but I was following it on um, on social media and just just an incredible tie. Uh, I, I thought our prediction of a, a cast win at Hull KR was going to come unstuck for much of the game. I've actually tipped Hull KR on there last week to to get to Wembley, and I think they could win the cup this year, but they're going to have to. Um, to do better than they did in the first half when they were a long way behind, but terrific fight back from them to get on level terms. Um, scored a very dramatic try after the hooter, and then um, by all accounts, Golden Point a little bit of a farce. I think there were nine attempts missed before Gareth O'Brien finally nailed it. But good to see Castleford through. Whether it'll have a, any bearing on them this week in terms of fatigue or not. I'm not sure. I spoke to Darrell Powell today and he said he's impressed with his team's fitness. They've looked good in training. He may freshen things up a little bit for the game itself, but um, he didn't seem to think it's a concern. And, and certainly, Cass, if if they can get anything like the, the strongest team out, out there, they, they should make it three wins from three in Super League and four from four in the season as a whole against um, against Lee. I think Lee will, probably like Wakefield, they'll knock a, a few teams off, but um, I, I just can't can't see them being strong enough to trouble Castleford this week. Uh, although Lee's, Lee's squads, it's not a bad one, certainly. No. I think they're stronger than when they've been in Super League previously. But um, I think Castleford will be too good for them this week. Yeah, I'd agree. And on Friday night, I, I didn't get to see much of the game because I was I was busy uh, doing Saturday's paper. But uh, it looked at one bit, as you say, like Hulk KR were going to cruise through. And then Cass came back into it and almost inevitably scored off the final play after the hooter, a superb bit of skill by Paul McShane, uh, creating the chance. But then 
Uh, we've often complained in the past about Golden Point and the fact that sometimes one team doesn't get even a chance to maybe get the ball. You know, if if, uh, if he sort of gets the ball, kicks the drop goal, game over, and you think, well, what was all that about? You know, but at the same time, this time, I don't know. Be interesting to see if it was some kind of world record for a Golden Point game. Ninety nine minutes. It was like another quarter of the game again, wasn't it? And it certainly, I couldn't bring any other to mind that had gone on that long. Maybe they have in Australia. I, I don't honestly know, but uh, you know, by any stretch of the imagination, that that was some going. And as you say, when you've missed maybe five or six drop goals, uh, perhaps consider going for a try instead. Uh, don't do the rules allow you to score a try? I'm not too sure because everybody just seems to go for a drop goal. Um, you you do occasionally get a golden try. I mean, not not that often, but Salford did it against Catans last year in the uh, in the Challenge Cup. Right. So it it does it does happen. But I, I think the game becomes a bit of a farce when you, when everybody's trying and missing drop goals. Not sure what else you can do in in the Challenge Cup. But as we've said before, I, I don't like it for for league matches. I think. A draw is a, a legitimate result in a league game. Yeah, yeah but, I agree. Um, but yeah, it's difficult, isn't it? The, there isn't any room in the, the calendar now for um, for replays, unfortunately. But whether they'd be better off making it ten minutes each way, I don't. I don't know. You, you'd certainly get more more proper rugby yeah. that way rather than this just this missed drop goal a thon that. That we had last week, um, I seem I remember Castleford playing Wakefield at Bellevue a few years ago in a, a similar game, which they won with a eventually with a Kirk Dixon penalty goal in Golden Point. But that again was was had a lot of missed drop goals, and it, it doesn't really make a great spectacle, does it? But certainly tense and exciting and and everything and and. Um, not the sort of game you're going to see too often, I don't think. No, no. I was, I was just as you were speaking there. I was wondering maybe if you, you know, kick uh, like a penalty from the halfway line or something, um, or best of three or something from the halfway line. I don't know. It's hard to say. I mean, I, I agree with you. There seems to be a bit of an obsession in, say, American and Australian sport where there has to be an outcome from a game, and obviously in a cup tie there does. You know, you can't. So it'll be going on forever, and in the current circumstances, it isn't possible to have replays uh, when there's a, a sort of shortened season, but also so many games to fit in. So that that in this particular instance, the game did have to be decided, and I understand that. But uh, as you say, it's a bit unsatisfactory players taking that many drop goals, and you know, couldn't even say, well, the crowd got value for money or enjoyed it because there was nobody really there to see it. And and from poor old Hull KR's point of view as well, it's it's the second time this season they've been done by it, isn't it? They they went down to Catalans, I think it was in the league, um, in the opening round when they came back and drew level, and then uh, you know having fought their way back into contention and and completely having the upper hand, uh, they too uh, lost out to the Golden Point drop goal, and I, I thought that was really unfair. And I know we've said several times on here that we don't like Golden Points. And that did nothing to endear itself to me. And, you know, having perhaps said that Hulk Ayad would be down there among the struggles this season, 
from what they've done so far, you have to say that you know they've been looking good, haven't they? They've lost two games on golden points, and they throw the ball around, don't they? And they, they play quite an exciting and and daring brand of rugby. Um, and and maybe, maybe I'm being a bit hard on them. Maybe that maybe they once the season really gets going, you know, they will pick up uh, more than enough wins to to guarantee. Their safety, certainly with Tony Smith in charge, you know, you can't ever imagine that he'd be thinking, well, we'll be happy to battle for 11th place or whatever. So it'll be interesting to see how their season goes. And just finally this week, Peter, um, Sean Wayne's England squad have been training up at Leeds Beckett University and a nice call up for a couple of Leeds Rhinos players, Mikhail Oledsky and Cruz Leeming. Yeah, that's interesting, isn't it? They, they were told, or certainly... Um, Mick was told last Thursday that he'd been called into the into the squad, chatting to him earlier during a break in their uh, their training at Leeds. Beckett, um, and I think it's well deserved for him. He he had a stormer against St Helens last weekend. Apparently, Richard Agar said to him after the game, "Well, I'm going to get Sean Wayne to give you a call every uh, before every big game because it yeah. certainly seemed to bring out his best form." He's a remarkable story, Mikoledski. Born in Poland, didn't start playing rugby league till he was 13 or 14. That was the first time he'd ever picked a rugby ball up. Um, he'd been called into Leeds as scholarship within a couple of years, joined their academy, played for England academies, played for England Knights. Now he's in the England train-on squad or training squad. And I think, really, the, the sky's the limit for him. He's He's... A big lad, he's got some pace and for someone who's still relatively new to the game, his skills are improving all the time. I'm no doubt that he'll be a future England front rower. I think probably this year's World Cup might be a little bit too early for him, but obviously he's in Sean Wayne's thoughts, having been called into the into the squad. Um, you could say, well, he He's just there to make up the numbers along with Cruz and, and a couple of Matty English and uh, Jake Wardle who've been called up from Huddersfield as well. But Sean Wayne's looking at people that's impressed him so far this season and, and clearly um, Mikulensky is, is in the coach's thoughts. As I say, everyone at Leeds rates him very highly and they think that he can, he can go all the way in the game. I think sometimes from what coach Richard Agar said to me the other day and, and what other players have said is that Mick just needs to realise how good he can be. It's it's maybe a little bit of a confidence thing with him. Um, and once he once he does realise that, then he's going to go a long way. Um, Please for him. He's a nice he's a nice lad. And saying it's a it's such a good story. And Cruz Leeming, well deserved as well. I thought he was very good against Saints. Um, I think he's less chance of getting into the actual squad because England are pretty well off for hookers. There's Roby, of course, who's probably even at 35 at the front of the queue. Paul McShane's the reigning manager. Steele, there's Daryl Clark, um, Josh Hodgson over in Australia, Sam Powell at Wigan, who I think is a very good player. So there's a lot of good hookers about, but just the experience of training with an England squad is going to do these relatively young players um, a world of good. I think Cruz is 25, um, Mick's 
2022. So they've both got a little bit of time on the side, particularly Olenski. Um, and I could see them being involved in, in four years' time. And I don't think Sean Wayne would have too much hesitation calling them up if he needed to for um, for this autumn's event. It's just it's good, isn't it, that there are young players coming through who can come into the training squad and, and hold their own. I think England's pack is looking very good, probably the best it's done for um, for a very long time. It's an exciting prospect for this year's uh, for this year's event. Yes. Yeah, it's a great story. Certainly is uh, Mikuletsky's, um as somebody who's obviously uh, followed your stories in the EP for years. It's, it's been interesting, and, and it always is, whichever sport it is, to see these players who come through, say, on the scholarship and, and gradually have wended their way up to being Challenge Cup final winners and grand final winners and in full, fully-fledged international players. And Mikuletsky is another one, you know, followed his career with interest from the start. And uh, as you say, an, another step on the road to what will, I feel sure one day will be a full England honours. And uh, I remember when he played in the Challenge Cup final last season, how proud the Polish people were of him. And, you know, the Polish embassy, I think, put out a statement yeah, afterwards, yeah. didn't they, saying how proud they were that uh, first Polish-born player had, had won the illustrious Challenge Cup. So that's, you know, great for spreading the word of the game. And it, and it also shows that there are good young players still out there too. You know, we quite often fear now uh, with the dominance of football and other sports and no sports, things like uh, Xbox and Playstations and that, that people aren't bothered about playing the game anymore or, or to the same degree. But, you know, Oledsky's shown that there are players out there, um, you know, if given the time and the chance. And I'm sure there are plenty more other young boys looking at him now, maybe from a Polish background or from other backgrounds who are thinking, well, if he can have a go or he's big and strong enough, then so can I. And I think, as you touched on there with Sean Wayne, he's been very insistent, hasn't he, that although he's stuck with his same squad for now, because obviously with last season and COVID, he's not really had, well, he's not had any chance until this week to actually work with players he'd like to consider for the World Cup. But he's made it quite clear that that isn't his fin finished squad and that, you know, it's how you play this season which will determine who gets into the final reckoning. And I think that's a good thing as well, you know. Uh, you know, sometimes in the past, you'd be perceived as a bit of a closed shop. And then we had Wayne Bennett playing players out of position, which is something else Sean Wayne says he's not going to do. That In general, he's going to pick players in form in the position that they're playing which I think is something that all of us would like to see too, unless there's a, a real exception and it and it's a way of getting that player into the team or into the squad. But I think, you know, let's go horses for courses and pick scrum halves at scrum halves and prop at prop. Um, you know, and long may that continue. Yeah, absolutely. That was a I thought it was significant when Sean Wayne said that last week at um at a media briefing that Unless he absolutely has to, he he doesn't want to pick players out of position. I and mean, we had a, some farcical situations last time. Um, when Bennett was in charge, didn't we, in the, yeah. the Great Britain tour, when, when people were just being picked ridiculously out of position just to shoot on 
on them in the team. That's not going to happen hopefully this time. And and I've got a good feeling about this England squad and Sean Wayne. I really like him. He's a he's just got so much passion for the um, for the sport. He's very honest, and I think he's just what England need at this stage. Um, obviously, we we need them to avoid injuries to the to the key players. But if he has his something like his strongest seventeen available, I think maybe England might surprise a few people with this one. Yeah, I'd agree with that. I mean, I think Sean is one of those, probably a bit of jealousy, but if he's not in charge of your team, he, he probably you could imagine him winding you up a bit the wrong way, and he, and he probably has done to me down the years, probably given the number of times Wigan beat Wake as well. But having said that, I read an interview with him last week uh, you know, in which he discussed his upbringing and his background and what a tough life he'd had, really. And, you know, really a self-made man on and off the field. And obviously the pinnacle of his life has been to be the England coach. He's obviously determined to make it as good a go as, it, as he possibly can. And and if that's the same as, uh, you know, the success he brought to Wigan, then more power to his elbow, you know. And I say... I, as a national coach, I think he'll be great, and I don't think he'll put up for, with any nonsense on or off the field. And I think he'll he'll stand up for England and the team. and And I think they've a great chance, you know, if if he picks as, as we've just discussed on form and in and in position, then I don't see why we can't take the game to Australia and New Zealand, and uh, hopefully shock a few teams as well. Yeah, let's hope so. That give everybody such a boost. Yeah. And the game too. Okay then, Peter. Well, I think that'll be that for this week. Uh, just to thank you again for your comments and to remind everyone that they can get the very latest rugby league news from Peter's Twitter feed at Peter Smith YEP and my own at Richard Byron YEP and at YEP Sports Desk and at the Yorkshire Post Twitter feed at YP Sports Desk Two and the very latest news from YorkshireEveningPost.co.uk. And for now, we'll leave it there and we'll be back again soon.